about them Irish. I can't take it anymore. I need a national championship. This is the Four Horsemen Podcast. And we are back. The Four Horsemen Podcast. It's your host, P-Wagon, joined by the lovely Steve. And before we begin, uh, I'd like to make a quick announcement. Uh, the Four Horsemen Podcast have officially banned Kanye West from joining the podcast. It, yeah, naturally. Um, he was scheduled to come on this week to talk Notre Dame football against Syracuse, but um, un- unfortunately, we just figured it was, it was better not to have him on. So uh, we, we yeah. have decided to cut all ties with one Mr. Kanye West. <laughs> anyway, how are you doing, Steve? I'm okay. You know, um, just uh, I'm actually kind of thrilled that we have a 12 p.m. game this upcoming weekend, low key, um, just because. You know, the last couple of weeks of summer with all the weddings that I've had uh, and then just kind of running around nonstop, you know, then Labor Day, then, you know, the wife's birthday, then a whole bunch of other stuff. It's like I have not been in my own house and watched a Notre Dame football game since week two, I think. Um, It's just constantly been on the road, constantly have to stream on my phone or something else. And uh, the fact that it's going to be a nice fall day. Hopefully, I mean, at this point, it's probably going to rain, just knowing my luck. But um, if I could just have a nice fall day where I can go into the backyard, light a fire, have a, a nice, uh, you know, set up the projector. If it's a little bit overcast, so there's no sun glare, that'd be great. You know, I'm I'm just looking forward to being a basic bitch and having a fall day with some pumpkin beers. Might even throw in a Jameson shot, you know, just uh, just for good measure. Um, but yeah, so that that's what I'm. Uh, that's where I'm at. Um, you know, with uh, I'm cheering for a football game with a, a football team with a winning record as they head into a big game on Saturday, and I just get to enjoy it. Hopefully, so I, on the other hand, will be at the game for a business trip. And business trip. why is that so important, sir? Well, it's the first time I bought my grandpa tickets to the game. That's one. Two. It's my mother's first ever professional football game college or professional football game she's ever seen three it's the third game i've brought my wife to four it's the second game that i've been at with my best man for my wedding and five i am bringing my one friend who says he's irish 50 50 if he is or not he doesn't listen to this uh to his first football game ever that's all the karma we need plus i am undefeated at Notre Dame football games. Since 2004, when Notre Dame beat Navy, I am undefeated while I am watching them in person. That was the most important point, not to discount the the five points prior to it, and very excited for uh, your friends and family uh, you know, trip and outing. I uh, hope you guys have an absolute blast. I've never been to Syracuse. Um, would have loved to go to this game because you know you and i are both in massachusetts so what's that like a six hour drive give or take it's uh it's five from where i'm at probably around the same for you it's literally go up mass pike bang a left and you're there 
Okay, Mass Pike, Bengal F, for everyone listening at home. Um, yeah, I mean, so, but the, most importantly, undefeated with you in the house last time. Undefeated. Now, when was when was your last game? Was it the Syracuse game in 2019? Last game was last year, Georgia Tech, 55 nothing senior day. Brian Kelly's last game at home, as well as Jay Bramblett's. Not a big deal. Um, but prior to that, it was Syracuse, it where was we won 36-3. to Yes. And that was at Yankee Stadium, and you and I saw each other, and we were like, what, four sections over from one another? That is. It was actually, what, our first year doing this podcast? Might have been yeah. second. No, it was definitely the first because I got fired the three days before I went to the game. So. <laughs> <laughs> definitely Jesus. was our first year doing that. Uh, yeah. So, well. We've come a long way, amigo, uh, and and grown this podcast into something pretty damn cool. And um, you know, let's. I'm I'm just very grateful for for all that we have and all that we've built. Uh, very grateful for all the fans. And if you guys are grateful for all the hard work that we put in, we would be grateful for you being grateful to us, being grateful back to you. If you were to go and subscribe, uh, rate five stars, write a review. You could even be write a mean review and 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 be mean if you. So long as you you put five stars. I understand I have a nasally voice. I hate my voice. I wish I could rip my vocal cords out. Uh, I can't, unfortunately, at least to my knowledge. So at the very least, what you can do is roast my nasally, ugly, disgusting, terrible voice in the comments with the five-star review. But uh, I'll, I'll kick back to you here, Mr. Wagon. I'll let you kick us off with the agenda leading into this week's pod. Yeah, we we were going to do a, a, a hurry up offense, but uh, I had a flat tire an hour before this, so I'm a little bit peeved about that. And you don't want to hear me rant about uh, the ineptitude of AAA. Uh, so I just wanted to bring up a point, and I think we can have a pretty open conversation about this. Notre Dame fans, and you have no idea where I'm going with this, by the way. Notre Dame fans cannot be happy with a win. They can't, they are definitely not happy with a loss. They are the most dissatisfied group of human beings I've ever had the pleasure to talk to. We won a football game. It is hard to win football games. Not to use a Brian Kelly quote, but it is hard to win football games. And we won convincingly. A- am I wrong in saying that? Uh, we won by more than double their score. So, yeah. And... They they still want to fire Reese. Why? Because he can't teach the quarterback how to throw the ball? We'll get into that later. We had a couple fumbles. Yeah, I get that. We gave up 22 points to UNLV. Oh, well. They won a football game. And USC lost their football game the week before, right? They did to Utah. Syracuse lost their football game. They did to Clemson. Clemson almost lost their football game to Syracuse. Almost to Syracuse. The fact that this fan base thinks that the Irish, with five games left, are going to go 0-5 is ridiculous. My biggest pet peeve, why, why bother watching the game if you think they're going to lose? It's in the freaking fight song. I didn't swear there, Mom. I wanted to. We will fight in every game. What though the odds be great or small? These fans are already discounting the season, saying they're not going to be bowl eligible. It's ridiculous. It's stupid. Why watch the game if you know you're going to lose? 
if you think yeah. you're going to lose. Agreed. It was um, very strange. Very strange outlook, especially for you know a Notre Dame team in a win where we blocked two punts, scored 44 points, and something that we had trouble with down the stretch, which is scoring. The last two drives of the game, we went 13 plays for 62 yards and a touchdown, and then nine plays for 46 yards and a touchdown. So the last two series, I'm sorry, the last, not two, last two plays, the last two series. So the last two times this offense touched the football, they scored a touchdown. And, you know, they actually had a missed field goal in the, uh, in the second half as well. So basically, this offense was in a position to score in three out of their four possessions in the second half. Um, yes, there's something to be said for starting faster. Yes, we have to finish stronger. But by and large, I mean, this game was always a blowout. Uh, would have loved to see some some jacked up numbers and statistics. It would have been great. But, um, I mean, it it just happens. This just it just there's there's games where you know you're not gonna have a, a a massive blowout win. It happens to Alabama from time to time. They still win like 34 to 10, convincingly. But you know Alabama has it from from once in a while you know it, it just it is what it is so i'm just very baffled that people are upset that we won it's like yeah okay i, I would have loved to not give up you know two second half touchdowns but you know the guys were kind of just hanging back at that point so i don't know well this, this one asshole and i'm not gonna call out their name says i'm realistic and not a dreamer wearing the blue and gold glasses great quote there there's no way in he means hell they're going nine and three and you know it. If they go six and six, I'd be shocked. Four and eight is more likely than nine and three. You have five followers, buddy. One. Mm. We almost have five thousand. Two. They're going to lose to Boston College or Navy. Or Syracuse with me in attendance. They lost Facts. three games. And, and you know th- th- this. This is the thing that I really that the heart of the issue is. I think we've talked about this before. I I couldn't tell you. There's a lot of younger fans now because Notre Dame went eleven and two, ten and two, eleven and two, twelve and one, ten and three before 2016. They're on the precipice of something great. Am I am I wrong in saying that? Yeah, correct. I mean, since 2012. Are, yeah. 12 and 1, 9 and 4, 8 and 5, 10 and 3, 1, 4 and 8 year than what I just read to you. So if you We've were been born, on the ascendancy. If you were born in 2000, you've seen a 3 and 9 year, but you're 7 years old, 6 years old, you're not paying attention to football that closely. Your formative fandom years were when Notre Dame was in a national championship, when they were in a CFC Festival. When they were in a fiesta, all, all this different stuff. Like since 2012, they've been in a BCS championship. They won a pinstripe bowl. They won the Music City Bowl. They played in the Fiesta Bowl. They won the Citrus Bowl. They lost in the Cotton Bowl. They won the Camping World Bowl. They lost in the Rose Bowl, and they lost in the Fiesta Bowl. My fandom, Stephen, hmm. my fandom started with just a little Bob, bit more tumultuous with Bob Davy. <laughs> I'm 31 years old. You're 32 years old. Correct. 
we're, we're just going to get that out there. And everyone on the internet, none of them are listening to this. So I'm just going to yell into an empty room here. Oh, you must be 15 years old having this. Are we 15 years old? No, we're, we're not. We are adults. We have 401ks and potentially pension plans. We know what we're talking about. We've seen shit. I've seen Bob Davy coach. 1999 was the first year I understood football. But I also came from a football-obsessed household. I was eight years old. They went five and seven. 2000, they went nine and three. Lost in the Fiesta Bowl. 2001, they went five and six. They fired Bob Davey and brought in Tyrone Willingham. Tyrone Willingham was going to bring us back to glory. He wrote a book about it. Ten and three, five and seven, six and six, fired. And then in my formative high school years, 2005 through 2009, I had to put and up Charlie. 2004 was the year that I got into my fandom. 2003, 2004. So we've seen some stuff. We had to deal with Charlie Weiss and his decided schematic advantage. And I had to put up with that throughout middle school and throughout high school. A three and nine year, a seven and six year, a six and six year, and then an eight and five year. Was, I got an eight and five year when I went to college, my second year of college. Yeah, that was uh, Jimmy Clausen and Golden Tate going off in the Hawaii Bowl, right? That's when they won the Sun Bowl. The Hawaii Bowl was 2008 when they went 7-6. and six. Ah, ooh. So we, we, we were increasing year after year. So people were the, – the juts of my – or crux of my conversation here is that new fans, the fans on Twitter who are, who are spouting off at the mouth and having Twitter fingers – they're the ones who started watching in 2012. They're the ones who started watching when Notre Dame was good. And, and they can't take the losses. Notre Dame's still above 500. And then you have the older fans who were there for the national championship with Lou Holtz. That were there through the Jerry Faust years. Were there potentially for the Dan Devine years. Uh, you know, even my grandpa was a fan during the era Parsesian years. So, like, they have more of a light to stand on when I listen to these complaints, then these new age fans do, who have only seen Brian Kelly. Yeah. There's an argument right there. Look at the past before you start judging the present. That's all I want to say. Yeah, and I mean, on the flip side of it, it's the people who are older saying, oh, we'll never be good again, we'll never be good again. It's just like, all right, come on, dude. Like, we're obviously going to be fine. It's a transition season. I, we've talked about this ad nauseum. We've talked about, you know, the difference in recruiting and everything. And, you know, Freeman just kind of getting into his own and, and becoming his own. Um, again, we have him a little bit too early, but I'd rather have him too early than than too late. Because if you get him when it's too late or you, you're not going to get him when it's too late, because it, Marcus Freeman would be leading another team to the playoffs within the next five years if he was not at Notre Dame. So do you want him now or or not? So, yeah, we're going through transition. Of course, we're going to have some things that we're going to have to adapt to in regards to recruiting and talent and all that sort of stuff as compared to, like, the 1970s. Things have changed just a little bit, And just in case you were wondering. Um, but also, simultaneously, it's like you, you can't expect – a 2017 through 2020 run to to last in perpetuity. You know, I, I thought that we were kind of, you know, a little bit past that. Obviously, I was proven wrong. 
I think that we can kind of take the next step to get into a really, really competitive position to the point where we're probably not going to see one of these seasons going forward uh, in a couple of years once we get all the talent on on campus. But in the here and now, in reality, uh, it's still an incredibly good and incredibly talented football team. There's just a couple of noticeable holes that they're they're currently working around. So uh, it's not always going to be terrible. It's going to get better. It's going to be fine. And also, it, it there for the people like you said, it it never was all roses and unicorns and and you know, I don't know, like rainbows. Like it, it's the life. It, life is tough as a Notre Dame fan. If you, if if you're not ready to embrace that, get out now. Yeah, it's, literally, it's, just get out. Just stop I, watching the team. team. Yeah, because like if if you're looking for like a nice easy fandom, like boy, do I have some fucking news for you. You know. You might want to sit down before I, I, I give you this news because you're not going to like it. So uh, I, I would like to wrap a bow on it. Like this is what, three, four weeks in a row. We have to make mention of fans like having a mental bre- breakdown. And, and I would just I would rather focus on the happy and the positive. Yeah, but we we have to because we almost are like the voice of reason for a lot of a lot of the people who listen to us. Uh, so shout out Big Al again. Facts. So. We could talk about UNLV. They won the game. Audrey Estime fumbled, whatever. They won the first down battle. They won the time of possession. It was a very quick game as opposed to the Texas game, which went on forever. Was it a quick game? Am I? No, it was a long game. The game felt like it took forever because of all the scores. Uh, for, for, the, for Notre Dame or for Texas? For us. Yeah, I uh, feel like this was a longer game. Because of all the points, uh, potentially, I don't know. Um, I was no, I I was streaming on my phone, um, as I was walking around Portland, Maine. Uh, you know, it took the wife up for for her birthday weekend, but you know, she obviously knows that her birthday does not come in in the the way of Notre Dame football. Like, you know, there's a trade off there. So, we we negotiated, and when I say negotiate, I mean I just watched the game and you know, kind of just. I got yelled at. Okay. <laughs> I I watched the game alone in my basement. That sounds Dylan, magnificent. Dylan's in Ireland. You're walking around Maine with it on your phone. I had to suffer in silence in the group chat. So thank me later. Uh, but I was thinking, because I was alone with my thoughts, about the middle eight. Uh, historically, people are saying on, on Reddit, which is the worst place for Notre Dame football, uh, and on three and all these other places that the middle eight Notre Dame struggling with. And I said, is this, is this really true? Uh, there were some EPA numbers, but they didn't really show anything because it's a messy time frame. So I, I crunched some numbers here. Notre Dame has outscored its opponent in the middle eight, the last four minutes of the second quarter and first four minutes of the third quarter, 45 to six with five shutouts. Two field goals were made in that entire time frame. Notre Dame's run the ball for 232 yards, 46 rushes. They've passed the ball 49 times, completing 30 of them for 299 yards. They've punted away four times in the hit two field goals. One was made, and unfortunately, one was missed. Opponents. They've run 27 times for 177 yards. They've passed the ball 44 times, completing 21 for 180 yards. They've punted the ball away five times. They made two field goals and missed one. That's pretty good for ND. 
pretty dominant. So it's not the middle eight. Could be the first 15. Could be the last 15. Uh, overall, the middle eight isn't the problem. Notre Dame just has to start the game strong and finish the game strong. It, it just needs to be more consistent overall. Yeah. Yeah, basically. I mean, they did have a hot start in this in this one. Obviously, the Audric Estime touchdown to open the game. Uh, then they cooled off a little bit, and you know, and then they finished strong, like I like I mentioned before. You know, with uh, with scoring touchdowns on the uh, the final two possessions of the game. So uh, I would love. I mean, if if against Syracuse we can score a touchdown on the opening drive, and then also the two closing drives of the game, I'll tell you right now, we're going to stand a pretty damn good chance to win against Syracuse. If if you know, just on those three drives alone, we can score. So. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I, I'm a little bit concerned in in regards to, you know, how how much we've been keeping Chris Tyree off the field. I'm a little bit concerned in regards to some of the fumbles. I'm a little bit concerned in regards to the. Um, seems like you know Pine, sometimes has the biggest set of balls and and will, you know, when when he sees Mayer going, like he he immediately locks in on him and will engage and and throw a dart. But the second that mayor's not open, Pine will kind of freak out and, and run around. But, you know, so so trust me, I have plenty of of qualms. I have plenty of things that I would change or, or be upset about. And, and you know, the team is not impervious to criticism. Um, but yet again, we won by 20, what, 23 points, you know, and we're just basically dominating them th- throughout. So, oh, I, I just. Uh, just enjoy it. Just just be happy about a win. Uh, it, I think is is the best and most succinct way that we can kind of wrap this uh, wrap up all the UNLV talk. Yeah. So they won. Uh, Syracuse is next. We'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, but we do have some questions from our loyal listeners. Uh, just running down the list here. I haven't read these before, so this is the first reaction. Uh, just a fun what if if you have time. Oh, do we ever? How do we get Michael Mayer to stay? You don't. Go to that. Not happening. Make your money. Well, that was easy. Uh, Hughes usually hands out these lame-ass orange pins to people when they walk in. Last time I went to an ND b-ball game there, they said Notre Lame, which was pretty lame itself. What would yours say? One for Hughes and one for Notre Dame. Hmm. It's a lanyard? It's a pin, I guess. Because a pin? That's stupid. Uh, mine would say I drove to upstate New York and all I got was the stupid fucking pin. I was trying to say the same thing. I drove five <laughs> hours to western New York and I got this fucking pin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. We've been doing this for too long. We have parallel thinking. Yeah, for sure. I might have to make that pin. Uh <laughs> yeah, get see if you can get get it custom ordered on Amazon and shipped out within two days, right? Get in bright orange. Uh, I'll have to call my guy. Um, just beat USC for the love of touchdown, Jesus. Oh, this is a fun one. MFK, which you know what it means, but it's stay with one forever, stay with one temporarily, don't be with one ever to evade our sensors. Reese's offense. Diaco's defense, Van Quarter's defense. Okay, so it's Reese's offense, Van Gorder, and Diaco. Yeah. 
I'm going to F Diaco's defense. Agreed. Um, because it was frisky. It was also a complete disaster, but also frisky. I'm going to kill Van Gorder's defense, and I will marry Tommy's offense. We're two for two in agreement, right? Three for three for questions right now, so we agree with all of these. Mm-hmm. Um, do you remember when Dino Babers kicked a field goal down 36 points? We were there. We saw it live, and we booed. Oh, <laughs> As you know, the Twitterverse has been very critical of Reese's play calling, you think? And is his coordinating role really in jeopardy? And if he is able to drum something up on offense to get an upset win over it's why is it an upset win? Because of the record, because one of them's ranked and one of them isn't. I hate that. Uh, get an upset win over SC or Clumps in November. Will that silence the critics or save his job? Um can't speak as to whether or not his job is in jeopardy. Um, I ob- objectively, you know, a lot of these players are not really his guys. Um, they are from the past regime. He's just kind of dealing with the pieces that he has. Also, there's there's still been a lot of question marks, and I, I think that we're seeing uh, a young coordinator really come into his own and and you know make his way through you know, a full season as, as the guy in charge with the reins, making every decision and every call. Uh, so just as you, you would expect a true freshman to have some, you know, to come onto the field and, and, you know, make some awesome plays, but also make some mistakes, uh, like Tobias Merriweather, uh, you, you also expect that it's going to take a project for him to grow. So I think that Reese does have a good future, whether or not he is the right guy for Notre Dame at this exact moment in time. I'm not going to make that decision. I'm going to leave that up to my good pal, uh, Marcus. I'm going to let him make that decision, um, mainly because he gets paid millions of dollars to do that, and I get paid zero dollars to make that decision. Uh, and then in regards to when we upset both Clemson and USC, I think that's going to make people maybe take a step back from the ledge um, because that's just going to happen. Yeah, and I want it on record here. We are no longer fielding questions about Reese's tenure. Tommy Reese is the offensive coordinator. But done. I'm done talking about if he's going to get fired. Uh, Abigail, this is her second question here. Why aren't more people talking about Chancey Stucky and his potential inability? It's his first year as the coordinator. It's it's not like he's a wide receiver guru telling them to walk up a mountain and catch footballs. He is, it's his first year. We're not talking about it because we don't fucking know, Abby. None, none of us know. We're not in the room with them. Chancey Stucky is a good coach. He wasn't brought to Notre Dame to suck. Yeah, I don't if you I have just... a question about why we can't develop people, talk to someone else. We're, we're not going to answer these questions anymore. They're, they're <laughs> just getting to the point where how, I'm in Massachusetts. Steve's in northern Massachusetts. We are so far away removed from the locker room at Notre Dame. We don't know. Listen, <laughs> I mean, Sorry. no, of course, it's, 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 it's no, I get it. I understand. Um, 
Yeah, I, I I don't know the exact question. I just know it basically has to do with Chauncey Stuckey and the wide receivers and everything. Know, and it's just yeah, Chauncey Stuckey. Yeah, he, listen, he's, he's got five scholarship wide receivers to work with. You know, he do, it's again, it's you're dealing with what you have. You have Avery Davis. You know, your senior, your super senior leader, blow his ACL. Um, what two weeks before the season? You know, like it's, it's an, it's an adjustment, you know, things happen, injuries happen. It's football, you know, Tom Brady once blew an ACL and, and, you know, missed an entire season. And yeah, I mean, the team still went 11 and five, but that's neither here nor there. It's the fact that sometimes the best teams just don't end up having the best seasons because of injuries or other factors and whether or not that has an effect on the development or, you know, some guys are just being cast into the light way too soon. I don't know. I, 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 I was a damn good wide receiver in, in college flag football, but when it comes to being a wide receiver at the division one level, uh, I don't have any insight. It's just, it's aggravating. All right, we're done with questions. But seriously, seriously, look into my eyes right now. I was a dominant wide receiver in flag football. Like I would average like nine catches for like 200 yards and two touchdowns every game, like Randy Moss level type shit. Dominant. Next, next question. I got a scholarship to play college football. Just, just throwing it out there. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, those are our questions. Half of them sucked. Uh, I'm gonna <laughs> publicly shame you guys right now. You, you ask better questions. Be Sorry. nice. If they can be mean to us, Steve, I can be mean to them. So let's talk about Syracuse. Do you have anything to say about UNLV or our fans before I do this? Um, everyone just be grateful. UNLV, you tried. Syracuse, home of the Orange, playing in the Carrier Dome, now the JMA Wireless Dome. Steve, our favorite question every week how many students are enrolled in syracuse 41,000 21,772 that's what i said three and seven versus notre dame and everyone's favorite alumni uh multiple people from my high school (laughs) a kid who was my best friend in high school was Otto the Orange for four years. Uh, he then went on to be go- uh, Goofy at uh, Disney World. Maybe he'll be there this weekend. Uh, let's see. Half of the Chainsmokers. Marv <laughs> Albert. Um, no comment about Marv Albert. Uh, Dick Clark, ever heard of him? Quadri Ismael. Rocket's brother. Ooh. And Winston Schmidt. And Nick Miller from New Girl. I'm told I look exactly like Nick. Uh, I've been told I look like Kevin James, so that's something. Uh, Jerry Stiller also from, uh, he's an actor and comedian, Ben Stiller's uh, father. Nice. That's nobody else. That's pretty much it. I'm sure there's some important people who went there, but these are the important people in my eyes. Uh, Syracuse, they're good. They're ranked 16th in the nation, just lost to Clemson. Uh, Garrett Schrader, I've been saying from the beginning of the year, he is terrifying. Sean Tucker, also terrifying. And Aranda Gadsden II, very good. Uh, 
Their defense is good against the pass. They're not good against the run, and we got three running backs who can run the ball. Uh, they're 26th in the nation in yards per play, 13th in yards per average, uh, and 14th in red zone scoring because they have Sean Tucker. Sean Tucker is a Heisman candidate, and Garrett Schrader printed money uh, for the first five weeks of the season. His passing overs, Vegas just couldn't figure him out. Uh, so he is probably one of the best passers in the country. Uh, I'm very high on him. I normally don't use this time to compliment our opponents, uh, but I do like Schrader and Tucker a lot. I've watched every single Syracuse game this year. Interesting. I would never do that in my life, but hey, if, someone if, had to do it. If and you're you gonna took up... a, If you're going to be on a business trip, you take your notes. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I mean, in, in regards to the team, and they played well, uh, started pretty pretty hot against um, <clears throat> Clemson. They were out to what, like a 21-10 lead or something? Um, yeah, ultimately f- fizzled out. And hey, a true freshman quarterback uh, kind of just diced them up in the second half of that game to come back. And they were blanked in the second half. So you want to talk about a team with a finishing problem. You know, Syracuse was right there themselves. So um you know, we're two and a half point underdogs right now, as it states on ESPN. And I'm not sure, you know, what everyone is getting their, you know, their bets in at, but it's probably going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of three. Um, and that, and that's because, you know, Syracuse is on home field. So they're automatically going to get three points, what you assume. So basically Vegas is calling this Notre Dame favored by half a point or a, basically a push. Uh, so they're saying it's effectively a 50, 50 game in their mind. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm seeing everywhere opened at four and a half on one book opened on circa Notre Dame favored by three. Uh, I, I don't know if that was right. I think that was wrong to be honest with you uh, mm. because circa shouldn't flip the line that much. Uh, right now it looks like two and a half is where the line's settling at. Mm. Uh, but it's also what's it, Tuesday. It's Tuesday. You can get three at FanDuel. So if you use FanDuel, get Notre Dame plus three. Uh, we're also seeing the total at right now open, it opened at 54 and a half. They bet it down to 47 and a half. So that's interesting. I wouldn't doubt to see the under hit in this game. And I wouldn't doubt to see the Irish pull off, you know, a one possession win. Um, you know, what are, what are the keys to the game? What do you want to see? Uh, or what, what would I like to see? Obviously it's going to be start with dominating the trenches on offense and defense. Uh, like you mentioned, they're not that great against the run. So our hog Molly's really got to push the pile, push the line of scrimmage and get that line of scrimmage three, four yards upfield before our running backs are even ma- getting contact on them. You know, I'd love to see a nice, you know, six yard yards per carry average as a team in, in this game. And, and, you know, just take the pressure off a of pine, get those big first down yards. You know, if, if it's second and four, it just opens up the whole playbook. So, um, you know, they, I, I really hope that they can dominate the, the line of scrimmage on the, you know, if on, on both sides of the, of the ball, um, because ultimately I, I, you know, we have been susceptible to big runs, although we, we stuff a lot of runs and, and we were pretty damn good run defense. We're also inconsistent and we'll occasionally give up the big one. So I'd prefer to have to ha- you know, force them to pass just because I think that our secondary is, is really talented and can, you know, start getting some takeaways because we're, we're absolutely due. Uh, and also as we, we saw, there's that guy on the lo- on the defensive end position. He wears number seven. He's kind of fucking incredible. So I would like to see him 
continue to eat lunches all day long. Uh, and then the other key to the game that I really want to see uh, is I want to see Drew Pine hitting wide receivers. Uh, of course, I want Michael Mayer to have his seven catches for 120 yards and a touchdown or two touchdowns. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. I love Michael Mayer. Wish he would stay, but he's not going to. Go make your millions, young man. But we need to see Jaden Thomas get, you know, five or six attempts his way. Same with Braden Lindsay. If, if he can get, you know, a couple of crossing routes underneath, if he can get, if, if you can find Braden Lindsay in space, you know, you're, you're really going to open up the field because that kid can just absolutely book it. He's just, he's really struggling with contested catches this year. So, um, you know, if they can get a couple of dump offs to Lindsay in space and let him run and, and speed through the defense, that'd be fantastic. Uh, so, but yeah, I mean, just in general, wide receivers need to get the ball. We need to get the ball out on the boundaries, outside the hash marks, open up the field, because if we can keep the, the corners and the safeties outside of the box, it's going to open up the run game to have Estime and Diggs and Tyree just, you know, basically close this thing out. So that's, that's what I'm going to be looking for. Is there anything in general that you're going to, you know, that you're seeing or, or what your, your wish list would be? Yeah, it's to pressure Garrett Schrader. Uh, the Syracuse offensive line's not good at protecting him. He's efficient if he has time. Don't let him have time. Uh, that that's the the biggest thing I would say. Uh, and then from there, find a corner, find a safety who can uh, guard OG too. Uh, he's their most explosive receiver. Uh, so just bracket him. Uh, win the turnover battle, like you said. Uh, Sean Tucker, make him run inside the box. Hit him a couple times. He might be injured. He only had five runs against Clemson. And I, I don't think it was the game plan to run their quarterback as much as they did. So something to watch out for there. Uh, and then just control clock. Run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. Score some touchdowns. I think the over hits, but I think it hits because of a couple of big plays late in the game. But I do think uh, if they're forced to sell out to stop the run, then a pass is going to be open. Play action passes. Uh, little fun, fun numbers for you right now. You ready for this? Mm-hmm. Before Syracuse played Widener, I'm not counting Widener as a game in this stat here. The first four games of the season, the first quarter, they scored 40 points. After Widener, they scored 14. The second quarter, pre-Widener, PW, they scored 23. Post-Widener, also PW, they've scored 17. Pre-Widener in the third quarter, they've scored 24. After Widener, AW, they've scored 7. Pre-Widener in the fourth quarter, they've scored... Dude, oh, this math is hard here. 46, and one of them was 22 points against Purdue. Post-Widener, they've scored seven. Their offense might be good, but against NC State and against Clemson, they're only putting up 14, 17, 7, and 7. Notre Dame is more like Clemson and NC State than they are like Purdue, Louisville. UConn. You know, that's an actually, yeah. that's a really, ec that's an excellent statement with that I agree wholeheartedly with. And it, and, and that's actually a great juxtaposition of, you know, 
teams get so inflated and people think that they're so talented just because they beat up on on the bad teams. And yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's uh, a, a part of my heart that's ripped out of me because you know this should be a five and one Notre Dame football team that's at the very least ranked in the top twelve at the moment, um, possibly top seven. So it, it really sucks to see us currently on the outside looking in. But you know that's that's where we should be. There's just been some things that haven't exactly clicked. But like that's that's what the expectation would be. So like Notre Dame, <laughs> like you mentioned, to, and and to accentuate your point. They are way more closer to Clemson than they would be a Purdue. And Purdue's a decent program. I'd say they're probably ranked anywhere between, you know, 25 to 35 in the country uh, in, in any given year. That you know, they're they're a, a decent program, but they're it's it's still far and away. There there's a massive difference between ND and and Purdue. Yeah. And trying to make this point. Very poignant here. Syracuse is good. I'll I'll give them that. But Syracuse is not great. Syracuse's remaining schedule. And I'm saying Syracuse a whole bunch here, but I, I don't care. I want you all to understand who we are playing on Saturday. If I have to drive five hours to Western New York. <laughs> Syracuse football playing obviously Notre Dame. Then they have Pitt, Florida State, Wake Forest, number 10 in the nation, and then Boston College. Do you think their fans are saying, oh, we're not going to win another game? No, because they lost to Clemson. Syracuse can compete in all these games, and I think because of their loss to Clemson reeling in that loss, Notre Dame is now, I don't want to say a trap game because everyone's Super Bowl is Notre Dame. But it's a game where it's sandwiched between an ACC rival and an ACC rival. And I don't know if it's a look ahead. I don't know the right word that I'm looking for here. But Syracuse is in a letdown spot, having their orange out, having everything. It's Halloween weekend. Could the players be thinking something differently here? Maybe. So I think there is, I don't want to say upset potential because it's not an upset when Notre Dame's going to win. But it is there for Notre Dame's taking right now. Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely think that Notre Dame should be. You should go into this game with the expectation that there's at least a 50% chance that Notre Dame wins. Uh, I think that chance is higher than 50%. But even if you want to go on the conservative side. But, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> this would be... Because we've already beat UNC, and if we beat if we beat Syracuse, that means we would be six and four with two ranked wins, right? So like Notre Dame is a legit team. I I, I understand people are down on, on on them, but you know you just you got to have a little bit more faith, and it, I I just think that good things are coming. You know, good things come to those who wait, and and just wait, hold off your judgment, wait, let it happen, let this team show their adversity. Now, I, I do have one concern. Uh, we're playing indoors, correct? This would be at the Carrier Dome. That's correct. So, the JMA Wireless Dome can fit 49,000 fans. That's a ton of fans. It's 
double the size of the scroll. They have this Jumbotron. Okay. It has a Jumbotron. It's mounted um, with a Lodro 13 feet long. It's suspended um, in the air. So the, the suspension system, uh, I don't know how high it is, and I'm looking for that number right now. But I'm afraid John Sod's going to punt the ball through the Jumbotron. <laughs> very real possibility that he does. Now, what There's happens- also a very real possibility that John Sod never has to actually punt in this game. I just want one punt. Just give me one punt, John. That's all I'm looking for. Uh, like, if I'm if I'm John, if I'm Turbofoot, Bryce McPherson, uh, in pregame, do I just go out there and try to hit the Jumbotron just to, like, set the tone? You might as well. Yeah, why not? So, uh, yeah, that's that's my big worry. What happens if he hits it? I guess we'll find out. Uh, does it turn into a fumble? Uh, who knows? Uh, so if anyone knows what happens if a punt hits the Jumbotron, let us know. And if you're this far into our recording, uh, thank you. <laughs> so he's to the game we talked about. I'm excited. First time in the Dome. Uh, as a New Yorker, everyone wanted to get to – that's where we played our state championship. As a coach, I made it to the section final three times and lost each time. Uh, you do something different over in Rhode Island, Steve. But it was always to get to the Dome. I lost in the section final as a player once and three times as a coach. This will be my first time there, and it means something to finally see the inside of that place. Because a year after I left this school that will remain nameless, they made it to state. So there's that. I don't Sad. have much. I don't have much more analysis. I'm excited for the weekend. Uh, I cheer for the punter merch uh, potentially on sale soon. Uh, who knows if John makes it to the NFL? We're gonna have to talk to uh, Candace and Mike about that. Uh, but overall, it's it's game game week. It's it's time to go. There's nothing else to do but put my undefeated record on the line and say, hey. What can I do to beat the Orangemen? Perfect. Yep. And, you know, I was listening to a song before this as I was cooking dinner. And and this is my closing thoughts. Um, just because I'm feeling a little bit silly on the pod. And sometimes you get, just got to get a little silly. But I was listening to, you know, my 90s rock radio because that's just the old man that I am at this point. Um, oh, by the way, if you, if you really want to fuck up your night, we're closer or 1990s of today is the 1960s of when we were growing up. So just, you know, let that simmer in your brain. Um, but the song tub thumping by Chumbawamba came on and it got me thinking that you got to think, you got to love the resilience of that, of that song, because even though they got knocked down, they kept getting back up again. And you were never going to keep them down. And I think that. (laughs) And they got up again. You were never going to keep them down. You were never going to do it. They just kept getting back up. And I think that's what Notre Dame needs to do. Just keep getting back up. Keep fighting. Go Irish. Pissing the night away. Go Irish. Beat Orange.